Ticket scalping, Ryan. Ticket scalping. Hey, listen to Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 70. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. And today we're going to end the arc of the Planeswalker with the Christina of the Woods deck. Now hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? Whole ton is going down. We've come to the end of yet another arc. Alas, it is over, but yay, a new doth spring ideas and things that we will do later. Doth. Yeah, I don't know why I was talking like that. Going all Shakespeare. You're going all Christina of the Woods on me. (laughs) I was helping to do some Shakespeare on the Saskatchewan stuff at work on Friday, so it's like maybe it rubbed off on me. I don't know. I don't know. There's going to be puppets having sex this year. I was thinking about when you said rubbed off. Uh... And now we're talking about puppets. Uh, we're a Magic the Gathering podcast, <laughs> not a puppet porno. I, don't Google it. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, don't go there. So, last deck episode, what have you in Ark of Planeswalker? Yeah, we're going to focus on a, a character that I had never heard of until we started doing this arc, but she kept repeating through every story that I read of Planeswalkers, oh, I could do this person, or we could build a deck around this, or we could go here. She showed up everywhere. Yeah, Christina the Woods, Christina, a little bit of a hussy, right? Like, she fell in love with a bunch of different dudes and left some dudes for another dudes. And, and one of them was a minotaur, I think, too. Yes, that is a thing. Like she's flexible, let's say. Uh, <laughs> that's a good word for it, for sure. Um, we're going to connect everybody. We're going to connect Christina to all of our previous Planeswalker themes. Sure. We're going to connect her to... Um, Joda Archmage Eternal, who was the commander of our Karn deck from a few weeks ago, we spared ourselves the mental anguish and expense of connecting Christina of the Woods to Will and Rowan Kenrith. You'll remember they kicked off Ark of Planeswalker because they're our giveaway. Which will be culminating here in a few minutes. Correct. We have a winner picked out from all of the Facebook likes and shares and follows. Twitter followers, auction builds. Big shout out to all the people who bid on my auctions. Thank you. And people who follow us on Podomatic that are helping us destroy the the, the scrapbooking ladies. Oh, newsflash. Ooh. Scrapbooking ninnies. They have vacated Podomatic. They are gone. What? I don't think I told you this. No, you definitely did not. I'm just learning this now. Are we number one on Podomatic? We'll get there. So, ninnies. I go and look them up, see how much we gotta, how much ground we have to make up, so to speak. I go to the top Games and Hobbies podcasts, which the Ninnies and us are both in, and they're nowhere on the first page. They're not in the top 10, not in the top 20. They're all the way down at like 25. I had to go to like to the second page and they're like, what's going on? So I go into their page, see that they've made an announcement that they're hosting on a different website. They've got this blog thing, whatever. They still have their podcast, but now... They're not ahead of your boys, Brandon Ryan, Commander Cook Podcast, on Podomatic.com. So the top spot is literally ours for the taking. No. What? If you tell me it's the goddamn Christian Coalition outreach, I'm going to lose my shit, Ryan. It's not. It's the opposite of that. They're called Neo Anarchist Podcast. Hmm. I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what they're about. It sounds like a you job, but we're still not number one. Damn it. At least, at least we are not behind the ninnies. We are behind some kind of antichrist anarchist thing. Well, on the upside, we took down the scrapbooking ladies. I'm claiming victory. Hashtag, hashtag, F the ninnies. I'm doing the Daniel Bryan yes chant with my arms up like in the air. F the ninnies. F the ninnies. Yes! 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 Feels good, doesn't rhyme. Yes! 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 Soak it in. Soaking. We got him. It's good to be kings. Okay, moving on. Moving on, indeed. Uh, I just wanted to say a quick thanks before we get into the the regular stuff that we do at the top of the show to all the people on Twitter and Facebook who have taken it upon themselves to give me some really good and fun and super spicy advice for my mono green stacks list that I mentioned wanting to build last week. Lots of people have jumped on and given me all kinds of really good ideas. So while my 
shopping cart is full of a lot of money, uh, I think the deck is going to be full of a lot of really good stuff for me and not so good for you. You know, it's actually good for me too because, ironically enough, we've been talking about mass land destruction and stacks for the last two weeks, and there's actually lots of crossover there. So maybe I may have picked up a couple pointers along the way as kind of a leech off of your... Um, request for green stacks cards you get off my hype train ryan you just get off it well you know wait until you see the deck today because there was maybe some of it that was built off of that as well you know we're connecting planeswalkers together they are value engines and there is a lot of value to be found in today's deck and i love value yeah and it continues what we were talking about last week with baby's first stacks maybe this is the next step and while i wouldn't call it a stacks deck it does actually contain smokestack this week because we're generating some additional card advantage through some token production cool so speaking of social media though you were talking about um, all of the engagement we had maybe you can tell people where to find us social media coordinates Yes, we are CCO Podcast on Twitter and tappedout.net. That's where you can find this list or last week's list or next week's list or any other list that we end up talking about over the course of the show, plus a couple other goodies. If you want to follow just Brando on Twitter, it's CCO Brando. I'm less magic-focused than our official one, which is Ryan's, but uh, lots of fun to be had there. Also, we are commandercookout at gmail.com. That's where you can send us love mail, hate mail, Arc suggestions, because we're still kind of soft looking for one. No nudes? Did you see that video on Facebook somebody sent us of like acrobatic nudes? And it was like a guy like Szechuan chefing all those noodles. Did you see that? Oh, I haven't yet because I've been out of town in the bush putting a roof on my buddy's house for like three days. Worth the wait. Sweet. Worth checking out. We're also Commander Cookout on iTunes, Google Play, Google Machine, YouTube, Patreon, EDHREC.com, Flipside Gaming, where you can use promo code CCOFU to get 10% off store-wide, Podomatic, where we are now trying to take down some anarchists, I, I guess, but the ninnies are gone, so still go there, less personal vendetta going on, and you can also check out all of that and more at the official official home of Commander Cookout Podcast. CommanderCookout.com. Dot com. Yeah, uh, you know what else? Um, I guess moving into the shout-outs. Shout-out to anybody who's offered again, or or for the first time, thank you for offering to help with any additional content, editing, website, upkeep, help, you name it. Thank you. We are, we've got it in the works for now. We're cool, but we're saving, like I tell everybody who contacts us, I save everything just in case for future inspiration or for uh, future help, I guess, right, if we ever need it. Yeah, we really appreciate all of the offers that come in. It's, it's, it's important stuff, and it makes us feel good. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of shout-outs, I mentioned at the top of the show, shout-out to everybody who bid on the Facebook altars. Thank you. It's important to me that that is uh, successful, I guess, right? Shout-out to Everett Sloan, new patron. Everett Sloan? Yeah, like Everett Sloan, a bunch of bitches. That's slaying, Ryan. Are you sure it's not Sloan? Like, I'm, that's past tense of slay? I'm I'm fairly sure. Like, 99%. You're the English major. Uh, Everett slaying bitches. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Or dudes. Whatever. Don't Yeah, whatever, whatever he's into. Whatever you want to slay. Good on you. Next shout out. Brian Schmidt. Oh, that's a brain shit. Mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> Brandon needs glasses. Yeah, listeners, CCO Nation doesn't hear, but when he has to read cards, like the microphone has to bend way forward so he can put his eyes closer to the screen. Tapped out, got like this magnification slider thing on their spoiler view now, which is like the podcast's best friend because he just jacks it up to the maximum size so now he can see. So Brian Schmidt, you're now brain shit because Brando has bad eyes. You're welcome. Thanks, Brando. Next shout out, Rafael Garcia. Rafael Garcia, eh? How about some of this? Ah, uh, I don't... There's a Garcia in Ninja Turtles? Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> no, there's a, there's a turtle named Rap. Yeah. 
There's a turtle named Raphael. Jesus, Ryan. Uh, you took that in a different direction than I thought. I was going to say I'm not sure if he's going to make us spaghetti or fish tacos. I'm not. Whatever. The worst. Um, shout out to Raph. Thanks, buddy. Maybe Raph. Hey, I like that. That's a magic card guy, character, legendary creature. Yeah, Raph Compassion. Neat. Yeah. That's Raph a thing. Compassion. Capassion. No, I like mine better. Raph Compassion. Got it. Also, final shout out. Okay, before I do... Edmonton and Calgary, two of our biggest Canadian centers for listeners, as per Potomatic.com. So shout out to Calgary and Edmonton for supporting and being part of CCO Nation. Shout out to comic readers in Medicine Hat and the Medicine Hat area. Maybe we got to get Medicine Hat on board. What did What did they do? Uh, I was talking to a guy who bought a card for me, and he's from Medicine Hat. He said there isn't a huge EDH crowd in the hat. What's wrong with the hat? I don't know. What's wrong with them? They, they're missing something. they got to be part of CCO Nation. Maybe that's what they're missing. Maybe. So shout out to Medicine Hat, I guess. One final supplementary shout out. If you've followed me at all on Twitter or at all on the show, you will realize that Max Crandell is somebody that I like to dump on all the time. And I realized that over the past couple of weeks, I have said several nice things about Max Grandel. And what? I don't want anybody to what? think that I'm going soft on him. All right? I will fight that man in magic, not in real life, because he's a very nice person. So F you, Max Grandel. The grudge is still on. Mucho excellente. Okay. Well, I guess you heard it here. F Max Grandel. Moving on. I guess. Should we do a giveaway? I really like giveaways. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Okay. So... Arca Planeswalker. We have, as everybody should know by now, Rowan and Will Kenrith foil alternate art promo from Battlebond. Battle tested, victorious, undefeated, didn't drop a game the whole night. Planeswalkers. Cool. We got one each, given away to a lucky member of CCO Nation for liking, sharing our post, following us on Facebook, tagging people in the post, following us on Twitter, bidding on card auctions. Is that how you, how else you had to, or becoming a patron. Those yeah. are the ways to enter. Or helping us out on uh, Potomatic was another one. Oh, yeah, that's right. And F the ninnies. Hashtag F the ninnies. After all of that, putting everybody's names into hats, extra entries for our patrons, extra entries for tagging people, blah, blah, blah. Winner? Ian Palisock. Ian Pillowsock? Palisock. Palisock. Ian. Maybe we'll just stick to Ian. Pillowsock. Ian Pillowsock. Congrats, you're the winner. Get in touch with us. Facebook message us at CCO Podcast or CCO Brando, commandercrooked.gmail.com. However you want, get in touch with us. We will set you up with a brand new Will and Rowan Kenrith. Congrats. And maybe some stuff from the foil bag. I love the foil bag. Ooh, speaking of the foil bag, supplemental giveaway. What? Yeah, now, Brando hasn't revealed anything about the next arc yet. So, we're not unveiling the next ARCs giveaway yet, but we do have a social media giveaway. A little bit of a special thing, a little bit close to my heart here. So, we are approaching or just past the 300 followers, subscribers on YouTube. Thanks. 400 on Twitter. Thanks. 500 on Facebook. Go us. Here's what we're going to do. We have amassed, over the vast number of years that we've been playing Magic, a bunch of cards, foil bags cards that maybe new players would want and we want to be contacted by some of our youtube audience and we're going to give 300 cards away to somebody looking to build their collection or somebody new if you are new and are in search of cards or are teaching somebody who is new maybe your friend from school maybe your kids or whatever and that person needs 300 cards let us know on YouTube or say you're from YouTube, contact us via email. Somebody's going to get 300 cards. On Twitter, if you connect with us on Twitter, at CCO Podcast or at CCO Brando or send us a private message, you need cards, you're teaching somebody, same exact rules apply, but we're going to give you 400 cards. Lots of cards. And if you get after us on Facebook, same things apply. New, teaching somebody who's new, kids, maybe, maybe there's like a like a safe zone at your school or something, or kids playing the library or whatever at school, and you need a whole bunch of bulk cards. I'm going to call them bulk just because there's 500 of them. But if you need cards for kids or to teach somebody, 
get after us on Facebook. We're going to give you 500 cards. Dang. So we've got commons, we've got uncommons, we've got rares, we've got foil bags, we've got lands, whether they're non-basic or basic. You let us know what the best situation for what the player you're teaching or, or, or what the kids need that you want to give these to, and we'll hook you up. Yeah. And that's going to be running for a while. I want to give some away next show and next show and next show. And if it's successful, I want to do it again because we've got a bunch of cards to give away. And we'll give them away. And you're going to help us, I hope. We want to spread CCO Nation. Yeah. We want everybody to be part of CCO Nation. So that's how many cards is that? That's like 1,200 cards? That's 1,200 cards, yeah. Math is not my strong suit at all. Oh, That's okay. Yeah. Don't Magic be- giveaways are, and we've got you covered. Excellent. Moving on? Sure. Should we do a show? Should we do a show? I guess we could do a show. Christina of the Woods. Who is Christina of the Woods, Ryan? And can you tell me in two minutes or less? More so than telling you who Christina of the Woods is, I'm going to tell you who and how she's connected to all of the other Planeswalkers in the Ark of the Planeswalker. But before I do, we've been blessed in Magic to have a very robust story. And while in the past we've ragged on the Gatewatch and how it feels like a very episodic kind of lame story... Wizards of late has tied it together with the Nicol Bolas arc and with they've intertwined the Gatewatch into the Dominaria storyline, right? Did they do this post us complaining about it? We started to read about it post being complained about. Are we having a direct impact on Magic again, Ryan? Well, they stole our song. They stole our song. They did Wind Grace after we did. They did do Wind Grace after we did it. We hit that nail on the head. And now, after we complained about the story being episodic, they just retcon it all and start shoveling stuff into the plot holes? There's a mole in CCO Nation, and I think we should be banking on this. I'm just saying. I think we should find the mole and flood him out of his hole, and I don't know what we're going to do to him, but whatever. Yeah. Probably say thanks for making us aware that, uh, making wizards aware that we exist. Yeah, maybe we'll give, do a giveaway. <laughs> Is there any mole magic cards we can give away? Probably. Probably. Okay, so. They started filling in the plot holes. M19 gave us Nicobolus's backstory. They've intertwined the Gatewatch into the Dominaria storyline. And the Dominaria storyline is a continuation of Time Spiral, which is a continuation of the invasion and previous to that from the late 90s. Commander 18, coming out and like in the next month, tied in a couple missing characters that we didn't have, right? Like Tano's was Urza's Apprentice, blah, 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 right? Peep this. We go all the way back to the Ice Age. Christina of the Woods was a planeswalker. She fell in love with this dude named Taysir. Taser, whatever. That's love affair number one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go over all the love affairs because this episode will last until tomorrow. They journeyed to the Shard of Twelve Worlds, or, or they, they came to what became the Shard of Twelve Worlds after the Golgothian Silex Blast that we talked about in the Bolever episode, right? Right. So, Taser and Christina of the Woods are stuck in the shard because they can't leave after the Silex Blast. Stuck in and a shard. Here, they're part of the summit of the Null Moon and they defeated Lashrak uh, just before the Planeswalker War and revived Ravidel. Last week, you said you didn't remember who did that. Well, it was Taser and Christina of the Woods. Christina, let's call her. She's a nice lady. yeah. Yeah, nice lady. Now, eventually... They'd fight in the Planeswalker War after Ravidel betrayed them. That's that's how it went. After Ravidel betrayed them, they fought in the Planeswalker War. So we've got this connection to Ravidel, right? Now, you remember Taser and Christina are like a thing. They're doing the dirty, right? Well, years later, Taser is one of the nine Titans, and he dies, and that's who Windgrace absorbed. Like, when Windgrace cut that Planeswalker's heart out, it was Taser's heart. Oh, cool. And Christina was a nine Titan alongside... Bo Lever from episode 68, Wingrace from episode 67, so they all know each other, and she was partnered up as one of Urza's nine titans, also with Tevis Zat, right? And he was from Ice Age. Yeah, that guy was a dirt sandwich. Yeah, guy. dirt sandwich. He was in cahoots with Lashrak, and Lashrak and Tevis Zat were thwarted by Joda, Joda from episode 66, who knew Karn. Right, So that's a little bit of a loose connection because I don't know if Christina knew Karn, but Karn was there for the Phyrexian invasion. So was Christina. So they're all connected, right? 
Now, the cool part about it, or where it gets interesting and ironic, is that Tevishzat and Lashrak wanted to get out of the shard that Christina and Taser were both on. The shard that Urza was locked out of after the Silex blast. When he was out of it, Urza traveled to Phyrexia and picked up Sancha, who was just recently spoiled in Commander 2018, whose heart, when she died, was put into Karn, Planeswalker from episode 66, right? Yeah. He was our guy. There we go. That eventually corrupted Mirrodin, because the glistening oil in Zancha's heart corrupted Mirrodin, caused Karn to go crazy, blah, 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 right? And now the rumor is, or if it's been confirmed, I don't know, the Gatewatch, at their penultimate step, just prior to fighting Nicol Bolas, Karn and Tefri and everybody on the Weatherlight are going to go out and find this Golgothian Silex somewhere, take it back to Mirrodin and blow up Mirrodin just like it blew up Dominaria. So all these people are just repeating lessons from history that they didn't learn from when Urza did it. Ooh, deep. Yeah, so they're all connected now. Nice. I know that wasn't two minutes or less, but there's lots of shit going on there. How are they going to come out of this? Because... Christina died during the first invasion. Yes, she did now. She's so, not part of the current story. So when they hit up new Phyrexia with no Christina of the Woods, who's going to be there to bring everybody back to life and be super cool and then date everybody? Joyra. Because she had a thing with Joda already, kind of. And she and Tefri, no, they never had a thing. Maybe they'll have a thing. Only time will tell. That's a thing. Or should we talk about some cards? Let's do the deck, yeah, the deck, before we put everybody to sleep with a history lesson. We're not a Vorthos cast, but you know what? This was kind of a fun arc to kind of tie in the Vorthos nature, and, and, and I, I, I hope we did a good job of connecting the whole arc to make it feel very cohesive. Like glue. Yeah, like Gatewatch glue. I hate the Gatewatch. I would have smashed them into glue. Before we get too far off on the hostility track, should we start with some creatures? We've got to say who the commander is. Who is the commander? Put you on the spot. Well, seeing how I built the deck, I would know that it's Shanna Sisse's legacy. Kind of along the same lines of what we were talking about. Remember the Jota deck had Joyra and Sisse? We were just talking about the Dominaria storyline with the Gatewatch. Well, Shanna Sisse's legacy, brand new from Dominaria. Give her a read. She is a 0-0 human warrior for green-white. Mm, that would be terrible if there wasn't anything else. But there is more. Shauna Sisse's legacy can't be the target of abilities your opponents control. That sounds shitty hexproof. Shitty hexproof. That's okay. I'll take it. All right. Shauna gets plus one, plus one for each creature you control. There it is. Okay, so she's a one-one by she's herself. A, she's a standard Celestia card, basically. Okay. Very Celestia-esque. I think if we went to Um, we would find lots of tokens, being that it is Celestia. Not really what I did, because that wouldn't be very Commander Cookout podcast of me. You mean we're not doing doubling season Avenger of Zendikar? Lots of doubling seasons in Shanna decks. Lots of anointed possessions. Lots of parallel lives. Lots of soldier tokens. She's a human warrior, by the way. Not here. No. Not here. We're going we're gonna to do something a little better for you. No, we've been talking about Vivictus Esmati. We've been talking about Chromium Stacks and Esper Stacks and Green Stacks. So let's see about what we're talking about here. Now, let's start off with the Mana Dorks because I want to rush through this quick hits a little bit because some cards are interesting, some cards are not. Mana Dorks. How many we got? There are seven of them. They're all one drops. And we're talking about things like Arbor Elf, Avacyn's Pilgrim, Lanmore Elf. Yeah. Your standard white, green, one drop dorks. There you go. So you have like three mana on turn two, right? If you don't get those and instead you get like a mox, because there's few of those in here, you can get Shanna on turn one. Dang. So she's a one one then, but she only grows after that. One one for one on turn one. That sounds, or one one for two on turn one. Sounds awesome. <laughs> the power level is strong. Let's see what else we got. Yeah. See what else we got. Okay. So backing up, Sisse's Legacy, our delightful 1-1 one, one for 2. Let's start with Archetype of Courage. Archetype of Courage, 2-2 two, two for 3. Creatures you control have first strike. A creatures your opponents control lose first strike, can't have first strike. Even Mind Sensor. Opponents can't search libraries except for the top 4 cards. Banalish Marshal. Creatures can't attack you unless they pay 1. That's like 3-3 three, three for 3. Other creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. Baird Steward of Argive? 2-4 Vigilante for 4. Creatures can't attack you or Planeswalker you control unless they pay 1 for each of those creatures. So that's kind of like a ghostly prison on a creature. 
So you'll see that we've got these enchantment type effects like Benelish Marshall 1-1 one, one, for all your creatures is like a glorious anthem. No, let's do a creature. Baird, Steward of Argive. Ghost of Prison? No, let's do it a creature. Then Shanna keeps getting bigger, right? Why isn't he a Windborn Muse? Because he can attack and still block. He got Vigilant. I dig that. I think Windborn Muse has Flying, which is still good, but I want to use it as a blocker. How about Bremaz, King of Oreskos? 3-4 for 3 with Vigilance. Good value there. Whenever he attacks, put a 1-1 one, one Cat Soldier onto the battlefield attacking, and whenever he blocks, put a 1-1 one, one Cat Soldier into the battlefield blocking. Those tokens have Vigilance. I effing love that guy. Yeah, dude, super value. Because whenever he does anything, you get more creatures that then pump Shanna. It's like they looked at that, what's the green one? Jedid O'Janan of Ifrava? Yeah. It's like they looked at him and were like, you know, that's a great card. But I feel like we could make it better. So what did they do? They made it white, they made it cost half as much, and it makes better tokens. Except they made it white. Yeah. How about a Fiend Hunter? Fiend Hunter... 1-3, so again, good blocker for 3 mana. When he enters the battlefield, exile another creature. When he leaves the battlefield, return the creature. So again, enchantment effect O-ring on a creature to make Shanna bigger. Good. We were talking stacks earlier. How about our boy Gaddock Teague? Oh, yeah, Gaddock Teague, make you bleed. That's a deck that we did a little while ago. Green, white, 2-2. Two, two. Non-creature spells with converted mana cost 4 or greater can't be played. So you can still play big creatures. We'll get there in a second. Don't worry. Non-creature spells with X in their mana cost can't be played. So no big token producers, no X, like no White Sun Zenith, no Secure the Wastes, none of that. That's typical Shanna, Sisse's Legacy. Don't think so. So instead of playing those things, we're playing Hero of Butthole. Bladehold, if you will. Sure. 3-3 three, three for 4, Battle Cry. So whenever this creature attacks, all other attacking creatures get plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. And whenever she attacks, put 2... White soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Remember your layerings. You always get the tokens into play first before her ability goes off and they get bigger. They're both triggered abilities when she attacks. You stack the triggers such that you put the battle cry on the stack, then you put the tokens on the stack, resolve the tokens, then resolve the battle cry, correct? Correct. Okay. I feel a lot most casual groups, like we're probably talking to right now, are going to just be totally fine. Just let that happen. Yeah. But every so often, I go into that one dink at the store that asks you to do it, and then you say it wrong, and they're like, eh, I take two less damage. I probably play mono blue and or stacks. I'm smarter than you. And you punch them in the face. With your smart fist. Yes. Because you stacked your triggers correctly. Or you could punch them in the face with another fist, like Kamal. Fist of Carosa. Kamal the Fister. Love this guy. 4-3 for green, green, 4. So, okay. Target land for green. Target land becomes a 1-1 one, one creature until end of turn. So, that would make Shanna bigger too. Yes, it would. She's getting big by now, eh? Yeah. She's getting thick daddy swall. Okay, what's the other thing he does? Green, 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 2. Creatures you control get plus 2, plus 3, and gain trample. Overrun on a dude. Yeah. That's excellent. He was one of the off-suggestion cards for green stacks. Yeah, we are going to come back to him just in a hot second after we look at some more of the value creatures that we're going to get here. Are we talking about Kataki Wars Wage? Hell yeah, two drop. So this could be a turn one thing. And hell yeah, two drop. So this could be a turn one thing if you happen to get a mox and a land in your opener with Kataki Wars Wage. Okay, so all artifacts have at the beginning of your upkeep Sacrifice this artifact unless you pay one. Yeah, all of a sudden, soul rings tapping for one mana instead of two, and it's during your upkeep. Get wrecked, noob. Or if they're playing artifact lands because they're trying to be fancy, or if they play, I don't know, a mox. A little bit of a nombo with our mox, but once we get a couple value creatures like our hero blade hold or whatever, we don't really care that we've lost a little bit of mana advantage because... The average converted mana cost of this deck's pretty low. You're going to see in a, in a couple minutes. Is it low because of things like Kazandu Tusk Caller? Yeah, one one with level up. We don't do very many level up things. Maybe a project attracts a level up dot deck. Hey, I feel like that's probably pretty standard. That's probably why we haven't done it. Yeah. Atraxa levels. Lev Traxa. Lev Traxa. It's a 1-1 one, one for green one. Level up. So level up is level up and cost. And the cost is green and one. Put a level counter on this card. 
So when you have two level counters, it's a 1-1 one, one and taps to make a green-green elephant creature. When you've got six plus levels, it taps to create two 1-1 one, one green elephant creature tokens. They're three threes. Oh, yeah, sorry, they're three threes. Elephants you, aren't one ones. They ain't pussy ass bitches. They're aliens from another planet sent here to save humanity, but we won't listen to them. <laughs> what the hell? I'm having one of those days. I suppose. The trees are talking to you and stuff. <laughs> You're hearing things. It's just tap to get more value. And dudes, speaking of value, how about Kinjali's Sunwing? Dinosaur, right after your own heart. I love dinosaurs. So three mana flyer, two three. Creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. That's another little little bit staxy guy, hey? How about Leonin War Leader? Four four for four. Cat soldier. We're getting value here. Whenever it attacks, create two one one white cat creature tokens with lifelink that are tapped and attacking. More just additional creatures to make Shanna big. Leonin butthole. Instead of hero of blade hold and Leonin. That I'm not sure that works as well as it did in my head. Uh, I like the pause. So people, you gave CCO Nation a chance to just think of like their house cat's butt when it like stands up on your keyboard and it puts its ass in your face. Fucking cats, they always do that, hey? Yeah, I don't know why they do that. I think it's because the keyboards are warm and they want food. And, and you do this by showing me your butthole? Well, that has something to do with food eventually, Ryan. I suppose. Moving on, if we're talking about putting cats into play tapped and attacking or putting soldiers into play tapped and attacking. What a mentor of the meek. That guy says whenever another creature with power two or less, like everything that we've talked about so far, enters the battlefield, you may pay one if you do draw a card. It costs three mana for a two-two. Super sick. It's kind of like a Ristic study, but just for you and in white. And you can beat wholesale ass with it. Yeah, you can. Like it. Speaking of beating wholesale ass, I love this one. Miri Weatherlight Duelist. 3-2 first striker for three. When she attacks, each opponent can't block with more than one creature. And when she is tapped, like after she attacks, she's tapped now, no more than one creature can attack each combat. Oh, she's so good, isn't she? Yeah. Because you can alpha strike the balls out of them. Then they can only one strike you back. Yep. One creature strike you. And you're sitting there with your first strike death toucher. Come at me, bro. Yeah, that's super sweet. Or with your mother of runes. Yeah, you just tap her and she gives target creature you control. Well, target creature. She gives target creature you control protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. Blocks for days. Yeah, and just a little bit of a value thingy there, right? Like people are going to forget about her or they're not going to be able to block the way that they want. Yeah, like that one. Next up, I've played with this card, and I hate her. Oh, yeah? I do not like this card. Is it no good? Uh, it's good. I just don't like her. I think that the, the value it ekes out isn't proportional to how much it costs you to eke out that value. And let's just say who it is. Ovia, Pashiri, Sage, Lifecrafter. What? I put it in there. Yeah, okay. It's a 1-2 for green. 2 green tap. Create a 1-1 one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. Okay. 4 green Tap. Create an XX colorless construct artifact creature token where X is the number of creatures you control. So that's kind of like Shanna's ability where it's big equal to your creature count and it also gives you an additional creature per turn for blocking or Shanna pumping. Correct. Or alpha striking with Kamal the Fister. Yes. Okay. I find it just to be a little bit, at least when I played with it, I found it to be strangely mana intensive and prohibitive on what I wanted to do. Keeping up three is not hard. It's not like it's hard to play this card. I just found it to be not very good. I always had something better to do with three or five mana. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yeah and I mean, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just in, bad in at In this deck, it. though, where your top end... I mean, there is a top end in this deck. We're going to talk about it after the little guys, but... Maybe if you don't have any of those top-end creatures, you just start dumping mana into that, and that is your top-end. Yeah, start making your own top-end. Every time you make an XX, it gets bigger than it used to be because every time you have an additional creature, it could be a thing. How about Prowling Serpapod? Four, three, can't be countered for three. Creature spells you control can't be countered. What kind of creature is that? It's a cat and a snake. Yeah. What about a cat wizard? It'd be better. Yeah. Aside from the fact that it's actually a snake. We'll look at the next card. Kwasali Pride Mage? Cat Wizard. There we go. <laughs> so green one, 
sorry, green, white, two, two, exalted. When it attacks, if it attacks, whenever something attacks alone, it gets plus one, plus one. Okay, fine. Pay one, sack, destroy target artifact or enchantment. A little bit of value. He's good. What a sanctum prelate. Two, two for three, enters the battlefield, choose a number. Non-creature spells with the converter mana cost equal to the chosen number can't be cast. What number do you pick? Probably the number that mm, the majority of the other people's commanders are. Touche. I would pick four. Four is probably a good number, especially in this deck. There's not a ton of fours, I don't think. And everybody loves playing fours. All the power's at four. We talk about that lots. Yeah, fours and fives are really good. Thalia Heretic Cathar is next. Should 3 2 for 3 first strike creatures and non basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. So another little staxy value getter there. How about Wayfaring Temple? Ooh, good. Maybe you start to the big creature thing. I mean, we're getting value off all these creatures. Shanna's getting big. Wayfaring Temple is a star star for 3 power and toughness equal to the number of creatures you control. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, populate, which means. Choose a token and copy it. Oh, World Queller. Oh, baby. So five drop, four, four. Good transition into the big creatures. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may choose a card type. If you do, each player sacrifices a permanent of that type. I would sacrifice a token or a land because my curve's low and I have lots of disposable creature tokens. Dig it. That'll kill one of their lands and or a creature. Now, before we get into the big fatties, let's talk on our last value additive dude in Yisan, the Wandering Bard. Two, three for three. Green two, tap. Put a verse counter on them. Then search your library for a card, creature card with converted mana cost equal to the number of verse counters on him. As his verse counters tick up, he will transition you from your small mana dorks, mother of runes, to Quasali pride mages, to fiend hunters, to four drop, like a hero blade hold, Two, five, six drops, shall we? Now, of note, no Safi Eric's daughter, no Paradox engine combos with Yisan. No, he's strictly to get reoccurring value and extra creatures for your Shanna beats. And wouldn't you rather pay three for him than for that other guy? The one that makes the servos? Oh, yeah, yeah, I probably would. You're right. All right, let's talk about some big fat fatties. Let's start with Angel of Invention. It's funny because it's a 2-1 for 5. It's not a big fat fatty. No, a Flying Vigilance Lifelink Fabricate 2, which means when it enters the battlefield, either put 2 plus 1s on it or create 2 colorless servo artifacts. So it comes into play with a whole bunch of creatures or it comes into play with a big big and has other creatures you control get plus 1 plus 1. So it's a Flying Vigilante Angel Anthem. Neat. It's good and, value. The, and the art's sweet. It's like yeah. an angel with four swords. It's yeah. sick. Super value. How about Archangel of Tithes? Four mana, three, five flyer, as long as it's untapped. Creatures can't attack you unless they pay their controllers pay one. And as long as it is attacking, creatures can't block unless their controllers pay one. Now, that's just like Ghostly Prison again. Yeah, it's kind value, of Value, controlly, yeah. staxy, right? Digging on it. Now, I, I don't like this one on EDH. Ryan does. Baneslayer Angel. That's a Baneslayer Angel. 5-5 five, five for 5, Flying First Strike, Lifelink, Dragons, and Demons Protection. Good night. I think it could be better. Dragon Lord Dromoka. 5-7 for 6, Can't Be Countered, Flying Lifelink, can't cast, Opponents Can't Cast Spells on My Turn. That's pretty good. Yep. How about Elish Norn, the Grand Cenobite? 7 mana, 4-7, Vigilance, Creatures I Get, Have Plus 2, Creatures You Get, Minus two. Super good. Kill all your lands with Kamal the Fister. How about Pathbreaker Ibex? Second last of the big fat fatties? He's not really that big or fat. Yeah, but listen to what he does. So he's a 3-3 goat (laughs) (laughs) for green green four. Whenever he attacks, creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. He is the goat. So if you have a Shanna with 10 tokens... Your Shanna's a 10-10, and then oh. you attack with the Pathbreaker Ibex, and all of your stuff gets plus 10, plus 10. Not terrible. That's not the worst I've ever heard of, yeah. Or you just have your Pathbreaker Ibex with your Elish Norn, and you're just getting strict value. Can't argue with that. Yeah. And the last of the big fat fatties is an actual fatty in Sun Titan. Last week's star, hey? Staple in last week's deck. Really good in this deck because you can get back three drops from your graveyard when he taps or attacks. Six, six, vigilante for six. 
All right, let's keep this going. Let's uh, bang through some instants and sorceries. What do you say? Got it. All right. First off, Enlightened Tutor. One mana, Enchantment Tutor. Heroic Intervention. Two mana, your stuff gets hexproof and indestructible. Path to Exile. Exile is a thing for one mana. Rootborn Defenses. Three mana, Populate, and creatures you control gain indestructible. Sundering Growth. Destroyed an artifact or enchantment, Populate. Like that one. Swords to Plowshares. Exile a creature. Tefri's Protection. Save all your stuff when somebody casts a Wrath. Beautiful. Yeah, and it works with tokens now, remember. Of course it does. Wouldn't anybody to feel bad. How about some sorceries? Man, I love sorceries. Rishgar's Expertise. Six mana? Draw what? cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. Remember, that could maybe get you ten cards if, you're, if your Shanna's just sitting there. That's pretty good. Should we move on to the next card? No, there's more. What? Yeah. You may cast a card with a converted mana cost five or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Remember, like... All those angels and, like, Baneslayer Angel off of Rishkar's expertise with nine other cards in your hand? It's not the worst. Baneslayer's not so bad at that point, eh? (laughs) (laughs) How about Shamanic Revelation? Draw cards equal to the creatures you control in a pseudo-token deck for five mana. And if you have a creature with power four or greater, you gain four life for each creature you control. No, that's not how it works. You gain four life for each creature you control with power four or greater. Oh, that's how it works. So you play that after you've attacked with your Pathbreaker Ibex. Or your Kamal, or your Shanna's Big, or your Elish Norn. Yeah. That'll all do it. All you'll get you there. How about Slaughter the Strong? Oh, I like this one. White, white, one. So you choose all the creatures that have four power or less. You sacrifice all the big stuff. You keep all the little stuff. In a token deck, if we're calling that, if we want to go down that line, we keep all our stuff. Everybody's battle cruisers and Eldrazi's and stuff. <laughs> See ya. I feel like if this cost four, they wouldn't have an option. They'd have to keep their stuff. Because giving people the option of sacrificing creatures that are small typically could hurt you. What if they have an academy rector? That's the thing. Yeah. Oh. So just to, just to think. Isn't there something that kills big creatures and doesn't? Isn't there a planeswalker that kills things with power four or greater? Probably. Maybe. Stupid I don't know. I, planeswalkers. I thought there was. We'll talk about that later. Meanwhile, Sylvan Awakening. This is a little interesting guy. I, I think I just like this one be, for the same reason I like using Kamal to make your lands into creatures to get a huge buff. Like, if you got 10 lands and all of a sudden you cheeky fucking put a Sylvan Awakening onto the battlefield and say, three mana, until end of turn, all my lands are 2-2 two, two elemental creatures with indestructible and haste. Not only do you get a whole bunch of attackers, but your Shanna's power just, like, pumps up to infinity and you just kill them. Yeah. Not infinity, but like if you have 10 mana, 10 lands. If you have a Pathbreaker Ibex, that's basically infinity. Yeah, dude. It's just cheeky and I like it. I think it's fine with Shanna. And they're both from Dominaria, so I wanted to play it. All right, let's move on to the enchantments. We have a personal least favorite of mine in Aura Shards. Ooh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you can destroy target artifact or enchantment. And remember the value tokens we're getting just for attacking. Excellent. Yeah. Authority of the... Consoles? Yeah. One mana. Creatures your opponent's control enter the battlefield tap. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, I gain a life. Cather's, Value. How about Cather's Crusade? Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under my control, I put a plus one on each creature I control. Value. That card is insane. Yep. How are we going to find these creatures, Brando? Well, maybe we could play a Growing Rites of Itlamok. Yeah. Three mana. When it enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. And then I can put a creature from among them into my hand. And at the beginning of your end step, if I control four or more creatures, I've already got the value off of Growing Rights, digging four deep. It flips to... It flips over into Improved Gaia's Cradle. Yeah. What the heck's it called again? Ah, who cares? I assume something it Lamock. It taps for a green for Cradle of Life or something. I don't know. They used Cradle again or something. It taps for a green or taps for a green for each creature you control. Yes. So even if you control zero creatures, it still gives you green. Yeah, unlike Guy's Cradle. Yeah, yeah, They would then tap for nothing. Speaking of tapping for nothing, or not, how about land tax? Yeah. One mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, if an opponent controls more lands than you, and they will because there's only 33 land in this deck, you can search your library for three basics, reveal them, put them into your hand. Also, that card has sick new art on it. I really like that picture. (laughs) Yeah, the old one is a little bit outdated. Yeah, (laughs) just a bit. How about Path of Discovery? And a little cheeky one with tokens. It's a green and three. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it explores. So what that means, you remember from the Bowlever Pirate episode, exploring is reveal the top card of your library, 
put a card into your hand if it's a land. Otherwise, put a plus one counter on the creature. And then the card goes to the top or bottom, wherever you want. Top or graveyard. Oh, top or graveyard. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Moving on to the artifact section. Here's where things get not so much dicey so much as... Here, I'll, I'll bang a couple of these off. F some value, or F some budget, I guess. Absolutely. Chrome Mox, Mox Amber, Mox Diamond, Soul Ring, all mana rocks for one or zero mana. Average converted mana cost of this deck, 2.94. So if you can start your opening hand with one or two mana and a Mox or Soul Ring, you're probably good. Yeah. And your land tax is going to do some work <laughs> at that point. Uh, we also got a Greaves. Two mana gives you guys Shroud and Haste. Spear of Heliod. Gives you creature plus one, plus one, and you can tap it and three to destroy target creature that dealt damage to you this turn. So if you're, some guy gets unblocked through your tokens, through your Vigilance guys, you can just dust them with Spear of Heliod. And lastly, we have Smokestacks. Yeah, we didn't mention Smokestack is the actual card that gave the archetype Stacks its name. So, four mana artifact. During your upkeep, or at the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a soot counter on smokestack. Then, or separate trigger, at the beginning of your upkeep, then, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a permanent for each soot counter on smokestacks. And this is another tricky one where you can stack your triggers. So, you stack your triggers such that you put the soot counter trigger on the stack, and then you put the sacrifice a permanent for each soot counter trigger on the stack. You sacrifice a permanent for each soot counter, resolve that ability, then you put an additional soot counter on it. So you're always sacrificing one less permanent for each go-around of the table than your opponents are. Now, do you tick that up every turn? In EDH, I know how it plays in Legacy. I've, I've played against it. I've played it a little bit. I know I don't like it, but not my jam. In EDH, do you tack smokestack, tick smokestacks up every turn, or do you set it at two or three because you're going to have that many permanents coming into play and you can just dust your shitty tokens or do you just go for broke and make sack eight things every turn yeah dust your shitty tokens and dust your land if you're flooded or have land tax in this deck uh but not anything more than like two or three right in my 62 land deck where i can play like six land a turn from my graveyard oh i take that sucker up to 10 Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but in this deck, you want to probably cap it out two or three, four if you're way ahead. Yeah, probably. And the thing about smokestacks is you can sack it to itself. So if you if you go up to four because you're way ahead on, on board and then somebody wraths and you're going to take a turn or two to rebuild, you can sacrifice your smokestacks to get rid of it so you don't have to sacrifice your own land. I dig that. I mean, you will for the the one turn that you sacrifice it, but other than that. Speaking of lands, you have a couple of interesting ones in here. Most of them are fairly are fairly standard to a Celestia build, but you are playing a Flagstones of Trocare, which I think might be worth visiting a little bit. Yeah, for sure. With Smokestacks, it, uh, it's a legendary land. Taps for white. Not untapped, but just taps for white. Doesn't come into play tapped, just taps for white. And says when it is put into the graveyard from the battlefield. When it dies? Sure. When your land dies, you can search your library for a planes card and put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So if you do soot, smokestack, soot counter, your flagstones of trocare, you do just get another planes for it. Planeswalkers? Planes walkers. Yeah, some some new ones for us, hey? Yeah, there are four. This is weird. this is like three weeks in a row, row we've talked about planeswalkers. We just go months and have hey, none of dude, them. Dude, it's we're expanding our horizons. Except for Elspeth Sun's champion. We talked about her last week. Six mana, four loyalty. You get three tokens for her up. You get to destroy creatures with power four or greater for her down. You get an emblem, creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and have flying until end of turn. Moving on. We also have a Johnny adversary of tyrants. I like this picture because he's all hardcore. I'm a big Johnny fan, even though he's a white planeswalker. I, yeah, I think he's he, gonna beat up Nicobolus maybe next year. I think he's really cool. He's a four loyalty planeswalker for white, white two, plus one. Put a plus one, plus one counter on up to two up to two target creatures. You don't have to control them. Minus two return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to play, which is like all of them, sort of. Or, minus seven, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, create three one-one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. So, another token generator, another power booster for the aggro plan, if that's what you're on. 
or a recursion plan if you need that. Like, whatever. Maybe Shanna died like a bunch of times, and then you don't want to have to like cast her again for eight. You just let her die if she's on the way to the graveyard, and then you would Johnny her back. Good plan. Next up, we have Fraley's Lanowar's Fury. She is a three loyalty planeswalker for green, green, three. Plus two, you get a Lanowar Elf. Minus two, you get to naturalize something. Minus six, you draw a card for each green creature you control. I, I like her. She's very good. Yeah, because she can give you mana dorks. She can just kill something, or she draws you cards. Worst, worst case scenario, she draws you cards. And it's Fraley's. Fraley's is great. We're talking flavor and I think Fraley's actually characters. knew uh, Christina of the Woods. I think she did as well. Uh, yeah, they were both kind of kicking around during the Ice Age. Fraley's actually ended the Ice Age. Oh, we're not done. We got one more. Yeah, we got one more. You, you scrolled down. I forgot. Huatli. Sure. Radiant Champion. She is a three loyalty planeswalker for white green two. It's a little strange. Plus one. Put a loyalty counter on her for each creature you control. Another for each creature you control type thing. It's good in this deck. Minus one. Target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. Another creature you control thing. Oh, okay. And not as far away as you think. Minus eight. You get an emblem with whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. So you cast her on four, and you have three or four creatures already. You plus one her, and then she she goes to four, and then you put three or four more counters on her. She's like at seven or eight the turn you cast her, so you can alt her next turn. I think that's always the plan. I want that to be the plan, because the emblem is whenever a creature enters the battlefield. Oh, draw a card. Yeah, that's like... Glimpse of nature. Yeah, I was I was thinking primordial sage or whatever, but glimpse of nature is the spell that that is. Yeah, yeah. for sure, super sweet, super for good. Four mana, I'll take it. And if not, she eats a bag of dicks, and you didn't get attacked because you know somebody's going to be playing bigger creatures than you because you got a lot of one ones in this deck. And I mean, she does absorb a lot of stuff, and if you get her out early with your ramp plan, you get her on even on a I don't want to say turn two, but if you happen to play you her, can on get turn her on two. turn two. Yeah, I mean the. Four mana commanders with a soul ring on turn one. That's a turn two commander. That's why. That's one of the reasons soul ring's so good, and that's one of the reasons you hate four drops. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the ramp plan, you had mentioned that right, and and you have what do we say seven or eight mana dorks, three moxen, and a soul ring. That's like over ten cards. You're gonna be fifty or sixty percent to get that in your opening hand. You start playing the big ramp plan. You get your bane slayer. Get your elish norn out asap. That's one of the ways to do it. Or you could do the low to the ground, hate bears, turn your opponents off their game plans with authority of the consoles and like the Thalia that taps shit and um, blind obedience would be good in this deck, but it's not a creature, right? I was torn between blind obedience and authority of the consoles. I just want to say how proud of you I am for making the call to go thematic over pragmatic. Because usually between the two of us, you'll just play the good card, whereas I will not play the good card in order to play a flavorful card. I, You know what? I was torn between how big of an asshole to be and or how big of an asshole not to be. To be or not to be. Takes us right back to the beginning of the show. To be whole or not to be whole. I like that too. <laughs> Don't Google that also. That would be butthole. Yes. Yes, not whole as in complete because this deck does not complete me. Quick story. Quick story of a side before we get into the, the recipe of the deck and how it all fits into the spice calculator. Speaking, we always say, don't Google that. At work the other day, I did not take my own advice, and I Googled, why do they call it scalping? Don't make that. I looked up scalping on Urban Dictionary, and I learned some things that I didn't need to know. Ryan, I'm not going to talk about it on the show, but if you're curious, but if not, I've I would highly recommend not Googling that. Are these t- like culturally sensitive type things that we should be staying away from on air? Absolutely Brando? not. They certainly are not. Are they they're dirty just, things? They're just really dirty things. They're Ooh, like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will Google. <laughs> no, I won't. I'm not. No. Stop talking about this. I'm not going to Google them. You're a married man. You're Googling them right now. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Quit it. Back to the notes, Ryan. What I was going to say, if you're not playing hate bears and if you're not ramping, I think that you're just trying to get things out of the way with my stuff's indestructible, exile your guy, 
mother of ruins for protection and just try and beat wholesale ass Voltron style with Shanna. Because she can get big. Like two hit big, you think? Uh, that would be ideal. It's ideal, but I don't know. I don't think she's I don't think she's battle cruisery enough to really rely on that. Okay, she's just okay. a big how, dumb idiot at this point. How about this? Three hit big, make stupid blocks just to keep her around, and then make more tokens next turn, three hit big. That's all right. Yeah, you probably can't. You probably can't kill th- like two or three other players at the table with that strategy, though. Hey, maybe one. Yeah, like I don't think Voltron is your strategy here. Okay, so if we if we if we do go to strengths and weaknesses, I have fast because you're playing low to the ground. You're going to get out in front of everybody else and start doing damage. I think the best way that you would want to do that is with your Staxy kind of hate bear cards and Shanna attacking. You're putting them off their game while you're making your commander bigger. And you're applying pressure with that big commander swinging in. It's like the Omnath, right? Yeah, now the next strength that I have is hits hard. Is that true? Is it that true? Like when we're talking about making unprofitable blocks to three-shot somebody, is that a strength? No, but it is when you're not making unprofitable blocks to smack somebody for five commander damage. Just because you happen to make a few servos, a couple of dudes, you know, here or there. Yeah, I, you know what, a 7-7 seven, seven on turn 3 or 4 is not nothing to trifle right. at, yeah. Swinging with a 5-5 five, five every turn typically brings out some blocks. Swinging with a 5-5 five, five commander every turn right away, that's that's not nothing. That's a thing, yeah, okay. Hits hard, we got it. Keeps things out of the way, you're given lots of um, protections and hex proofs and stuff, and exiling stuff to be able to attack. It rebuilds quickly after Wraths. There is a lot of... Very attainable cards, except for some of the mocks in that are older or expensive. But everything else is yeah, relatively new. And being a two-color deck that you don't want lands to come into play tapped, you could play a lot of basics, so could be quite affordable. Weaknesses? Expensive to tune. Actually, the opposite of what I just said. If you really wanted to tune it with the moxes and, and like I did, and vaults and crypts like last week, to really get out ahead of people and you wanted to do something like uh, Ultimate Hawatli to draw a card every time you play a creature and add a Paradox Engine. Super high on that card right now. You could run the, you could run the wallet pretty thin, I think. Yes. But uh, low to the ground is, is also a weakness. I know it was a strength, but, I mean, if you do make it into the long game, people are going to start jumping over you with their battlecruisers. So. Yeah, those, those low to the ground strategies are really sweet at first, but you need something to shore it up once they're just bigger than you. Like, eventually the dinosaurs player that's playing that janky, slow-ass yeah, deck is I just going to be like, nice 10-10, bro. I think that's the... Um, the problem that you ran into with your cats deck from twenty Commander twenty seventeen, right? Yeah, I beat wholesale ass turn one through five, and people are terrified, which of course brings the hate down on me. But then after turn five, I have literally no play. Yeah, and like like that deck, this deck is weak to wrath for that reason. It doesn't play any wraths besides like the kill the monstrous one or whatever. It doesn't play any wraths because it expects to be wrathed, and then it just tries to rebuild. So, I mean, you'd have to play around that. I mean, whatever. So, getting back to mana rocks and crypts and mana vaults and mana crypts and stuff. Budget section. Really? The mox is what you cut? And if there's any expensive, like, fetch lands, dual lands, shock lands, the stuff that we talk about all the time, right? Nothing else is really that expensive. Maybe, maybe like, a Elish Norn is a few bucks. And it's at the very toppest end. You would just want to avoid anything that comes into play tapped. And if you're okay with doing everything that we've talked about on turn 4-5 instead of 3-4. Which is good to save a few bucks. That will lower the power of this deck significantly. Yeah, like when you when we talked about 3-hit killing starting on turn 3. Not going to happen. On turn 3, good. On turn yeah. 6, not good. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Any other suggestions? Well, you're talking Wraths. You could run that. I think it's White White 3, destroy all non-token creatures. That could be a Wrath that you could run here. That well, would, I suppose, yeah, not could terrible, minimize the damage. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Just, just a thought. I forget what that card's called. It's, it's probably thing. not expensive. Correct. Milklist? How about instead of that, we go Card of the Week. Oh, yeah, I actually forgot that time, and I had to ask you if we're going to the Milklist off air. <laughs> and then you said, no, do the Milklist. Card of the Week this week, got to be Pathbreaker Ibex, right? I think so, man. He's, 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 he's the GOAT. Cool. He's the goat. He's like um, budget crater hoof. And he's repeatable every turn. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to wait for him to get around to attacking, but dang, 
every turn. So let's give him a read one more time. Pathbreaker Ibex is a 3-3 goat for green, green, 4. Whenever Pathbreaker Ibex attacks, creatures you control gain trample and plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So your biggest creature is pretty much just radiated onto all of your other creatures. Yes. So that's very good. And she, she, sure, she, it, they cost about 73 Canadian dollars after the tariff or about three bucks American. Super sweet. It's very good. Pick them up. Uh, I feel that they would go good in any green token strategy. Uh, originally from Commander 2015 and then also in... The first Commander Anthology is where it's from. Yeah. So Cool. It's neat. Pick them up. The goat. <laughs> Milk, milk list? Let's do that milk list. Okay. As per edhrec.com, we have the most popular converted mana cost in each color combinations today, green-white, or as the kids say... Celestia. Okay. At the zero-drop converted mana cost slot, we talked about it, mana crypt. No. Not doing it. We're playing Moxins, but no mana crypt. Ah, whatever. Soul Ring at one. Correct. For sure. Celestia Signet at two. No. No, don't need it. Too low to the ground. Aura Shards at three. Yes. Parallel Lives at four. No. Mirari's Wake at five. Nope. Sun Titan at six. Yes. Avenger of Zendikar at 7. Nope. You thought we were going to. Definitely. Matt, we didn't. Avacyn, Angel of Hope at 8. Nope. I originally did have Avacyn and Neveril's, Neveril's Disc in here. You dirtbag. I own a Shield of Mary at 9. Nope. Stormheart at 10. <laughs> <laughs> no. World Spine Worm at 11. Nope. Blightsteel at 12. No. Emrakul the Promised End at 13. Nope. A Tokthon Worm at 15. Who is playing that card? Who is Who's playing it, Ryan? <laughs> See, somebody out there listening <laughs> I play a Tarkthon Worm all the time, and it always helps to win games. Bullshit! No, it doesn't. Take it out. Cut yeah. it. Play a Planes. Play a Wastes. Yes. Spice Calculator? Spice Calculator. Okay. Spice Calculator. Popularity in EDHREC.com. One of our metrics. 22nd most popular Celestia Commander. She is underneath Jasmine Burial. She's the general of my 99 land plus her deck that I almost killed somebody with. I did kill somebody with her. That's my. That's one of that's a good you story. You lasted longer in a game than somebody doesn't mean you kill them. Not nah, nope. I, I claim win. Claim the victory. Okay. I was responsible for at least nine of the damage that took that player down. F you, Jesse. That's right. No, it would have had to have been eight because she's a four or five, and you attacked Jesse twice with her. <laughs> she might. She might have got smothered. Or biggered. Or biggered. Yeah. Who knows. <laughs> 27 lists right now. I feel like that's going to go up if people want to build like token decks, swarm decks, beat down deck, whatever. I feel like she might actually stay low just because she is kind of vanilla. And if you're going to play a general like this, just play Gattactique. Yeah, for yeah. Just oh, play yeah. Ga- play if utility you build a deck. If you want to build a deck that we built like a kind of a Staxy hates bears hate bears deck, Teague will make you bleed. Yes. So, average converted mana cost 2.94 critical turn. We said Four, like really, you could you could attack, like you could start Voltroning if you hit your token swarm, mana rock, mana dorks, start beating in. Turn five, you could probably commander damage someone to death if they don't have blocks. So is turn four your critical turn? The turn that they have to do something or else they lose? I would say four, yeah. Okay. I think, I think four if you're if you're playing optimally or your cards are coming out optimally. Number of tutors, one. Uniqueness rating, cards in our list different than edhrec.com stock list. 44. Nice. Nice. Spice calculator, beep, boop, 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 boop. 60. Wow. We passed the 50 test and the 60 test. We done destroyed that 50 test. Yeah, so our, our stacks research and engagement with CCO Nation starting to pay off. We're starting to make uh, spicy lists. Yeah, we learned from you and look what comes out. These. It's a spicy turd. I said that. That's the list. What do you think? I think it is the natural progression of the deck that we built last week. I think so, too. If we went all the way top end, big creature, beat down Voltron stacks, this week was low to the ground, a little bit more efficient, and lots of synergies between cards. Still a little bit stacksy. Not, I guess not as stacksy as, as last week, but still. But th- it's this one does actually play smokestack, though. This one That's seems more like something that I would build anyway, because I finally get beaten down. I like that. This one wants to turn lots of creatures sideways. Yeah, I like doing that. Yeah. That's a good time. Yep. But it's, it's a cool deck, and I think that it's super worth actually going out and trying out something like this, because 
I mean, not a lot of people are going to do it. And it's not because it's unpowerful. It's just because it's not what you would typically think of doing with a Celestia deck. If you're going to go tokens, you're going to go Avengers, Zendikar, Doubling Season, Parallel Lives, Anointed Procession, and you're going to make 5,000 dudes, and you're going to swing in with your general on turn 8 with a Whisper Silk Cloak on it, and everybody's going to look at you and go, wow, Evan, you're so creative for playing Omnath. <laughs> Even though he's not Celestia. Well, whatever. And instead of swinging in with 5,000 tokens, we'll swing in with like 8 tokens and a 9-9. Nine, nine. Yeah. That'll do it. It'll get you. It'll, it'll get you there. Get you there. Yes, it will. And speaking of getting things to places, we have cards to send to a winner of some sort. Ian Pillow Sack. Ian Pillow Sack. Pillowcase. What do we call him? Pillow Sack. Ian. Ian Palasock. Ian Pillow Sock. Yes. Got there. <laughs> <laughs> get in touch with us. Send us your deets. We will send you a Will and Rowan Kenrith. And some random foil garbage from the foil bag. Excellent. In addition to that, 300, 400, and 500 followers on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Get at us. Tell us why you have new players or kids that are looking to build their collection to play EDH. We will send you those numbers of cards, 300, 400, and 500. Because we love helping out. Very much so. We like doing giveaways. We've got cards to spread the love of CCO Nation. Quickly, tell them how to do it one more time. Get in touch with us on Twitter. That would be at CCO Brando or Commander Cook or or CCO Podcast. Just let us know why you want the cards. That's a possible 400 cards we could just send to you to help build the collections of those around you or yourself if you're just new. Same thing with YouTube. Get at us in the comment section. PM us. I think you can PM on Facebook or on YouTube, right? Or leave a comment on the show. Whoever you want to interact with us there, that could net you a whole bunch of cards too. 300 of them to be very precise. Or... Hook us up, Facebook message, and we will send you possibly 500 cards of a random variety to get people into building decks, brewing stuff, doing new things that they wouldn't have thought about in the game of Commander that we all love so much. And with that, we reach the end of another super exciting whirlwind adventure of an arc in the Ark of the Planeswalker. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed our journey through the story of magic and the history and Finding some of the, it didn't even turn out to be janky or unknown characters. They were all interwoven and very... Yeah, it turns out it's all one big cohesive... Now, can you imagine writing the same story for, for 25 years? Until the last four years when it was clearly an episodic mess until we complained about it and then had to backfill it to make it sound like it was supposed to be cohesive? F you, mole. Gotcha. So we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We had a lot of fun doing this. And we're going to be back next week with another episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song! Yeah.